Welcome to the Brodacious Book Club, the podcast where we host a book club. And I haven't read the book. I'm your host, Aaron Rockford, and with me is my good, good bro, the warmest of bros with the snazziest haircut, oh. Matt Thomas. Oh, aren't you sweet? <laughs> Every episode, we review a new book. Read by me. And discussed with me, Matt. Uh, <laughs> I often, you're welcome. I often know nothing or very little about the books discussed, providing a perfect sort of sounding board slash peanut gallery with occasional humorous bent. Basically, if I understand the book by the end of the pod, then so will you, and that means we've done our job. Our goal is to basically help you, the listener, understand the nuances of books and stories without having to read them. Because you're busy, and we get that. Of course, because we will be diving right into these books, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about major plot points and characters, so of course, if you don't want to get spoiled, maybe go check out the book first. And of course, this podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. This is a comedy podcast, more or less. Depends on how how good we're feeling. It's debatable. About it depends really on how uh, how much coffee we've had beforehand. <laughs> yes. That espresso's working, which in your case is a lot, a significant amount. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> and we mean no disrespect to the books or the authors discussed, and we always encourage you to read the books for yourselves. We're not professional critics. We just think we're funny. That's right. Sometimes. That's right. Occasionally, we're just here to have fun. It's all it's all just for fun. So. With that, let's get into it for today. Erin, what are we reading? So today, we're going to be reading Every Heart a Doorway by Seanan McGuire. Mm, okay, very nice. Sounds romantic. It's, uh, tell me about it. Tell me your thoughts about <laughs> you're, it. You're seeing my face journey. I'm seeing your face here. I'm, I just want to know what the thoughts are behind yeah. the face. Well, actually, I have a question for you first, sure. um, which I know uh, this is something I don't think we've talked about in our adult lives, maybe, but I know when we were kids growing up together <laughs> in the good old Hammer Town, that's right. at least there was a period of time where you were quite into the Narnia series. Loved it. Thanks. And I'm just, I'm curious, just because I don't think we've talked about this in quite a while, of Hit like me. how you feel about that series now. Very good question, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, it's funny. I was just discussing this yesterday. I was comparing and contrasting the the writing styles of T.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien mm-hmm. and Good as you dirt. know yeah yeah could not be more different and I don't know you're kind of relying so heavily on the the allegory of Jesus yeah. you know it's it's a, it can be seen as a little bit lazy, right? Yeah. I definitely think it began to hurt the books more and more mm-hmm. as they went on. Certainly. Like, you know, I think you can probably enjoy The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe pretty easily without really needing to maybe know or care much about, you know, Aslan as Jesus, even mm-hmm. though obviously that plays a role. Indeed. Um, what with dying and being brought back to life and yeah. defeating the devil. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, if you read some of the later books, the allegory just gets stronger and stronger until mm-hmm. it is the main focus of the book. Indeed, yeah. And to be honest, I was very pleased that they didn't go that route with the movies, with mm. the films, or at least they didn't lean so heavily into it and rely mm-hmm. so much on the religious narrative. Yes. And that's part of the reason why I really enjoyed the movies. Mm-hmm. I think the movies are actually quite a bit stronger as stories than the books well, are. Well, there you have it. <laughs> My hot take. Indeed. And I think you hit the nail on the head there when you said stronger. I I think that the original series in retrospect is quite weak because it relied on the religious allegory so heavily. I still enjoyed it for what it was during the time. Tilda Swinton was still my first childhood crush uh, (laughs) and remains to this day uh, a childhood crush of mine. But yeah, 
Now, what does Narnia have to do with Every Heart a Doorway? Well, Every Heart a Doorway is a story about those kinds of stories. Mm. Like, the stories wherein you have children from, you know, the normal world entering into some sort of magical world. Right. And what the repercussions of that are on those children when they come back. Mm. And to what extent they are able to integrate back into regular society Mm. and to what extent they still feel some of that magic so like narnia is sort of the obvious go-to example in my head but obviously there's stuff like peter pan Mm. or like the wizard of oz Mm. trying to think of more examples less well-known series like that one that was self-published by the lady who was at our school yes you mean my dad's friend deborah yes (laughs) yes what was that series called again oh god we both read it. I know. I don't remember. God, I don't remember what the series was. For those of you listening who aren't my father, um, <laughs> I don't know if her books are still available, but... In any case. Anyway, that is a good example of like the extent to which I think those stories have kind of imbued in our consciousness, because mm-hmm. I think like a lot of those, you know, Narnia and Wizard of Oz and Peter Pan and stuff like that are all mm-hmm. stories that we hear pretty young, mm-hmm. for the most part, mm-hmm. at least, you know, within our Western context. Right, right. And yeah, this, this book is sort of looking at that as a concept. Okay, well, I'm excited to to get stuck into it then. Mm -hmm. And this book is the first in the Wayward Children series, which are all kind of interesting, and lots of them, if not most of them, are standalone novellas, Mm -hmm. so you can kind of pick a lot of them up. Right. You know, they they definitely benefit from being read together, but you can pick most of them up on their own, which is kind of nice. Hmm. Kind of like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but a bit. That story on its own acts as a standalone. I, oh yeah. For for me, the uh, the horse and his boy also acts yeah. as a standalone. Yeah, um, and you could probably read the magician's nephew without indeed context. As indeed, well. yeah. yeah. But when you put them together, it's just so much more magical. Yeah. Um, but in any case, great. So you've kind of given me an idea of the the general theme going mm-hmm. forward of our world children enter fantasy world and have to cope tell me a bit about the setting what is the fantasy mm-hmm. world where are we is there a giant conflict What's the- <laughs> we're actually in our world because this is about children when they've come back okay. because you'll notice that all the examples i pulled and i don't I, I guess maybe i'm not as well read in this as i maybe could be but most of these stories involve the children coming back from the world mm-hmm. like i mean uh, narnia eventually they all die so that's, you know. I mean, doesn't everyone? Doesn't <laughs> everyone eventually? True. I guess that's true. And they go to Narnia Heaven. Does Susan actually go to Narnia Heaven? No. Doesn't she survive? Isn't she the survivor? She is the one survivor yeah. because she got too into makeup and boys. That's right. Because she doesn't believe. Yes. In, in Jesus. In fan- <laughs> there you have it, folks. Hot take. Heard it here first. And it's correct. You're absolutely right. So <laughs> to say, I don't know how much of a hot take it is. I feel like that mm. is kind of the... Like, that's that's what happens. And there's the moral of the story there for you. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I digress. But, you know, Peter Pan, like, Wendy and the, her brothers have to come back and bring the rest of the Lost Boys back with them. Dorothy goes back to her home. Mm. Like, there's always... That's sort of the through line is that, you know, Alice from Alice in Wonderland, mm-hmm. she comes back to our world. And that's where the story ends. Mm. And this is sort of trying to explain like okay but what then mm. so it takes place at this uh, sort of a group home slash school okay it's called the home for wayward children and it's run by this woman named eleanor west 
who is an older woman and who presents herself very well, especially to parents. Mm-hmm. And the idea that the parents have, at least, is that they will send their kids to this home and she will help them overcome their quote-unquote delusions about having mm. gone to a fantasy world. I see. And the reality mm-hmm. is that we get let in on pretty quickly is that Eleanor herself came back from a fantasy world. Right, so she knows what's up. Yeah, so she knows what's up. She knows this is real and it's actually kind of a safe place for them to be. She just has to sell it well to the parents. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Very Mm -hmm. curious. Do they ever deal with... I mean, in the example that you provided, Narnia, the fact that they grew up, became adults in a fantasy world, and then were thrust back into their childhood bodies Mm. and lives and realities. They fought and won wars. Mm. They experienced traumas, joys, Mm -hmm. pains. uh, They had at least some romantic relationships. Well, yeah, and now they're children again. Do they unpack any of that in Mm. this series uh, in ways that they didn't refuse to even in Narnia? They They definitely explore it. Okay. Yes. Well, You've got my attention. Who are some of the other players here? Do we have an introductory cast of four wayward children at the very <laughs> beginning? Or is it kind of uh, we get introduced to the orphans, as it will, along the way? The mutants at Professor X's school, as it, it were. It is a very Professor X type vibe, for mm-hmm. sure. We get introduced to them as we go. We have sort of a point of view character through which we can kind of learn about the rest of the characters in the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Her name is Nancy, sure. and she's our protagonist insofar that we follow her but her storyline we get it revealed in like bits and pieces as we go Mm. we don't start off really knowing all that much about her as a person sure okay interesting do we have an age or just to situate her she's a teenager okay i think we get an age and i have just not written it down fair enough are we talking Um, teenager like 13 teenager i think she's sorry what happens Um, when you live near a fire station yeah i mean i have the same issue Whatever those stuff. <laughs> National Capital Region's under attack. I mean, I mean, that's not entirely inaccurate given what has happened over the past Honestly. couple Honestly. And with that, the <laughs> sirens are mostly gone. So do we have an age for this protagonist? In high school age. So okay. she's, I think, around 15, 16. Okay. So okay. she's not quite a child. She's sort of in the older of mm-hmm. the groups that have gone. But... Like a pseudo-Susan, yeah, if she's you will. Yeah, she's kind of a pseudo-Susan in some ways, yeah. And, and we'll learn more about this, but the ages are sometimes more significant than others depending on what mm-hmm. worlds they went to. Mm. For those who have not read the uh, Chronicles of Narnia series, I apologize for my frequent, uh, <laughs> yeah, frequent this, references. This may be a bit incomprehensible Indeed. to read. So I'm, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to try to step away from the Narnia <laughs> references, and, or at least make references to other things as well. But mm-hmm. in any case, okay, so we've got a 16-year-old somewhat protagonist mm-hmm. point of view. And I assume from her point of view, we get introduced to a cohort of other children? Yes. Yeah, okay. there's... I think we're... I don't remember how many kids are at this school, but sure. definitely like 20 to 30, I think. Okay. So it may be easier to introduce them as we're going through the narrative as opposed yes. to just Listing this child, off. this child, this yeah. child. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Okay, great. Then in that case, we've covered kind of the setting. We've covered our 
our main player. Is there a an antagonist that you want to introduce me to, or not yet? I think we'll I think we'll learn about that as we go. Sounds good. Sounds good. So why don't we just dive right into the plot? Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Every heart a doorway. Yes. It actually starts with a dedication uh, for the wicked, which I think is mm. kind of a fun detail. Mm-hmm. We actually meet Eleanor West first. We see her talking to parents and the way that she portrays the school mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. And we also get the hope from her that one day her door will return mm-hmm. um, because she is also in the same boat as a lot of these kids. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Kind of tells you a little bit about her right from the get-go. You know, tells her that she's yeah. still got that, that childlike hope. Mm-hmm. Some may call naivete. Yeah. Uh, also, I forgot to touch on this as we were diving in. You said that it was our world. Is it our time as well? Yeah, like more or less. Yeah, more or less contemporary. Okay, good to know. Yeah. And then we, we meet Nancy, our main character, and we learn that she likes to wear all black. Ah. And she How has wicked. yes, indeed. And she has black and white streaked hair. Love it. Which is kind of a fun. We we get an explanation for this later, but it is kind of a humorous. I don't know. It, it does make me think a little bit of the fan fiction Maya Mortal, like the <laughs> making an OC. <laughs> but and she, the only piece of color she has is a ribbon in her hair that is the color of pomegranate seeds. Okay. And she meets Eleanor. When Eleanor meets the parents, she's always dressed very conservatively. Mm-hmm. But when she's just around the school normally, she dresses in these wild colors. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a Miss Frizzle kind of vibe. Kind of, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so Nancy's kind of like, oh, okay, this is not what I was expecting. This is not what my parents prepared me for. And Eleanor starts throwing a bunch of terms at Nancy and asking her if she went to an underworld or a netherworld, trying mm-hmm. to figure out what kind of world she went mm-hmm. to. Nancy eventually reveals that she went to some place called the Halls of the Dead. Curious. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she was there for a couple of years. How grim. Yeah, it's sort of a very unusual type of fantasy world. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a world in itself, like Narnia, or, mm. or I don't know, it sounds more like a place within a world. Yeah, some, some of these are very, like, piecemeal style mm-hmm. worlds, like, it's unclear about what the boundaries are, and some of them connect to others. Mm-hmm. Her world specifically is sort of a Grecian Hades mm. type right, scenario, right. Okay. so that's I see. what you should be picturing. Um, Interesting. And she actually didn't want to come back, as many of them don't. And Eleanor shows her to her room where she's going to be roommates with a girl named Sumi. Mm-hmm. Sumi is this very like whimsical girl, speaks in nonsense, often like has these kind of weird sayings and stuff. And she went to this sort of candy land, basically. Love it. She tells a story about meeting her soulmate there who was a candy corn farmer. Uh-huh. And just all this stuff. And, I love it. Yeah. I love it. So cute. Okay. <laughs> She and Nancy talk, and they're obviously went to very different worlds. Indeed. Very different points of view. And Nancy tells Sumi the story about how the reason her hair is streaked with white... Waiting for this. ...is because she danced once with the Lord of the Dead. Oh, my. And he ran his fingers through her hair. And, so cool. And where he touched turned pure white. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. Okay. Yeah. And basically what she did in this world was stand still a lot. It was this human statue thing. And and she loved it. Like, this was something that she was super into. But mm-hmm. basically over the course of these years, she taught herself how to hold perfectly still. Okay. And 
that was like her her goal okay and by doing that she like pleased the lord and the lady of the dead okay and she was sent back by them to be sure of like her choice basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she thinks that she had already made her choice mm-hmm. and doesn't really know what happens now mm-hmm. And meanwhile, Sumi is kind of dismissive of her. She's kind kind of looks down on the concept of hope. Sumi herself was exiled from her land. She was in a fight with the queen. Interesting. Um, and it ended up with her sort of being kicked mm. out. So she doesn't really have much hope that she's going to get back ever. Is this kind of a benevolent queen, wicked queen? Did we know Definitely a wicked out? queen. Ah, yeah, definitely a wicked queen. Okay. They they sort of argue a little bit about this concept of like whether or not they will get to go back to their worlds. Mm-hmm. Sumi says it doesn't happen very often that somebody gets to go back. Mm-hmm. And then Nancy opens her suitcase, finds that it has been stuffed full of colorful clothes by her parents. By her parents, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a note from them that say basically that they want their real daughter back. Ooh. Yeah. Whoever, like Oof. the person Nancy was before she went through her door wore more colorful clothes and now she only wears black. Right. Because color was reserved for the lord and the lady. Mm-hmm. So Sumi takes pity on her for having had her clothes swapped out. And apparently that happens not infrequently. Mm. So she takes her to meet another student there named Cade. Mm -hmm. And he runs a clothing exchange. Cool. So people who don't like what has been sent or cast off clothes, they sort of give them to him and he swaps them for other people's. So he, he gets her some clothes that are dark and they're... A little bit more gothic, I think, than she wants, but okay. they're black, so it's They'll fine. They'll do the trick. Yeah, exactly. And we get Cade's backstory. Yeah, he, where's he from? Yeah, he went to a fairyland. Love it. And he killed a goblin king there. That was like, he was part of this whole rebellion against this king and, you know, with these fairies and they overthrew him. And the goblin king in his, like, dying breath named Cade as the goblin prince. Mm. But this was awkward because that outed Cade as trans. And the fairies wanted a girl. Oh my. And so he was thrown back out of the fairyland. Holy cannoli. Wow, okay. Yeah, so that's... Not great. That's Cade. For him. Indeed. (laughs) And he's also distantly related to Eleanor. She's like his great, great, great aunt or something. How old is Eleanor? She's old-ish. I think it's explained that like her life was extended a bit because of the Mm -hmm. magic. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Sure. Yeah. They're distantly related. Okay. Very good. Very good. (laughs) The the resolution of that. I got to say, I'm loving the the way that this story has been structured so Mm -hmm. far because so many possibilities. You can do so many things with it. You know, Mm -hmm. you're not bound to a single niche. For example, Mm -hmm. you know, the Murderbot series is a science fiction series, Mm -hmm. right? This can be whatever it wants. Yeah. It can be multiple things. Yeah. And that excites me. It is. It's pretty interesting. And... Nancy and Cade kind of have like a bit of a flirtation mm-hmm. that starts up and sort of continues throughout the book. It's kind of cute. Mm-hmm. Nancy is asexual, but like still has romantic feelings and is interested in him mm. on that level. And it's also kind of fun because like, I don't know, you don't see asexual characters and stuff Indeed. I just made a note of that. <laughs> so far we have a trans character and an asexual yeah. character. That is exceedingly rare and really cool to see that kind of representation. In your opinion, is this meaningful? representation or is it performative mm. are these are these lgbtq plus characters for straight people or <laughs> what do you think yeah. i i think it's pretty at least a genuine attempt i know sean and mcguire i'm 
fairly certain, is herself queer and is like interested in representing different groups of people because mm-hmm. that's that's what the world looks like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know I'm not really qualified to give a stamp of approval on like the trans stuff. Of course. And it is explained like it doesn't necessarily assume the reader is familiar mm-hmm. with these concepts because it does explain kind of, you know, what asexuality is within the text. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like I appreciate that, you know, Nancy still has this romantic interest in the story. Like that's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes against some of the norms of like, yeah, you know, no asexual kidding. means like nothing ever. So that's fun. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Okay. So it's refreshing. It's, yeah, it's it's kind of nice. I think I think it's like mostly well done, I guess, yeah. to answer your question. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> so they go to dinner and Nancy meets two more students, uh, Jack and Jill, sure. who are twin sisters. Jack is short for Jacqueline. Ah. Jack finally explains some of the words that have been thrown around at Nancy about these worlds because there's kind of a way of categorization that they use. Sure. There's like two axes that they typically use. (laughs) Go on. There's nonsense versus logic, wickedness versus virtue. Mm. And those terms don't necessarily mean what you might think. It's more of an aesthetic thing than a moral thing. Okay. Like, a virtuous world is not necessarily, like, a good or kind world. Mm. Like, the fairyland that Cade went to was a virtuous world. Okay. But, like, clearly did not treat him very well. Indeed. Yeah. So. Okay, whereas the Halls of the Dead, for example, would be a wicked world? Yeah, they're they're probably a wicked logic world. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, the world Sumi went to is a high-nonsense world, and I don't know where it would have fallen on the... Mm -hmm. Wicked virtue scale. Interesting. Okay. Very, yeah. very cool to know how they're kind of uh, categorized. Yeah. I'm loving this so far. Yeah. The exploring the uh, the logic behind mm-hmm. these worlds and their creation and where yeah. they fit on an axis. Very cool. Yeah. And it's it's interesting too. Like, you know, if we take existing concepts, we could probably, you know, Absolutely. like Wonderland is yeah, a 100%. you know high nonsense world mm-hmm. and maybe leans towards the wicked side Indeed. whereas narnia is probably on the virtuous side mm-hmm. and probably maybe more logical mm-hmm. probably about here you yeah know? yeah halfway down the logic for those who can't see yeah. my piece of paper <laughs> for those of you not on the live stream that's right video. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a school and also a group home so they have classes mm-hmm. The students all stay at the school. It's a boarding school, Mm -hmm. if that wasn't said earlier. Mm -hmm. And they also have group therapy. Mm -hmm. It's explained at one point that basically this is only one of several schools like this in the world. Mm -hmm. And that some of them are geared more towards people who want to return to their world. And then there's ones geared towards people who want to forget it happens. Because obviously the approaches that you take would be a bit different with those. Indeed, indeed. So... At group therapy, it's run by a psychologist named Lundy. And Lundy looks like she's about eight years old. Hmm, okay. Um, which obviously invites some questions. Lundy went to this place called the Goblin Market. Okay. And it, you have to make a decision to stay or go, basically. And you can travel back and forth, and she did, but you have to make a choice before you turn 18 or you get thrown out. Okay. And she didn't want to make the choice, so she made a potion or acquired a potion that made her age backwards. And mm, that, interesting. that was a no-go. They yeah. were not into that, okay. and so they kicked her out anyway. I see. And now she's stuck 
continuing to age backwards. Oh, devastating. Which, uh, yeah, kind of sucks. Yeah, no kidding. Are, are you able to tell us anything about the goblin market other than that? What what it looks like, where it would fit on the, the spectrum? And also, I believe that I missed Jack and Jill. Where did they go? Yes, we actually don't learn about that until a little bit later. Ah, uh, okay. Not a problem, not a problem. <laughs> I can tell you that, and you know. they're, they're not well-liked by the rest of the school. They're kind of outcasts. Interesting. Curious. Mm-hmm. Curious. But Sumi is friends with them. And psychologist Lundi, t- tell me, tell me yeah. more about the goblin market, if you can. If you we know. don't learn a ton about the goblin market in this book. Intriguing title. Yeah. Intriguing name. And it's one of the things they talk about is like some worlds are better known mm. to them than mm. others. Like some worlds have lots of people who go to them. Like mm. Nancy's world was unknown before this point. Okay. But lots of people have visited the goblin market. Mm. And fairylands are fairly common places that people go. Mm-hmm. So they know more about those because there's more information they've been able to gather. Okay. But basically it was a market. So like, you know, you would trade for things. Mm. That's that's as much as we get. But it is kind of an interesting name, especially like very evocative. It certainly is. And I this... think it's I think it's logic wicked. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that would make yeah. a certain amount of sense given the name. Very curious to find out more about the I don't know if we're even going to find explore this at all, but about the the Hall of the Dead and the mm-hmm. the Lord of the Dead. Is that Lord of the Dead across all worlds, across all universes? Is that just for dehumans when they are deceased, <laughs> go to this Hall of the Dead? I'm just, I'm so, I have so many questions and I love that. Yeah, it's super interesting. My understanding is that every world kind of has its own rules mm. and that they all kind of just coexist with each other. Mm-hmm maybe kind of uneasily sometimes. Mm. Additionally, I'm very curious to, I just wonder if any creatures, monsters, what have you from other worlds ever come to ours, if we're just one of them in this great cosmology, if you will. Yeah, I say you're giving me a face, so who knows? (laughs) You were saying, you were saying. Yes, so they're in group therapy um, and they they all talk about how the places that they ended up going were home, like they felt like home Mm -hmm. to them, which is a feeling that's sort of shared amongst all the students. And the sort of common theme is that they, before going to these worlds, were living in a way that wasn't who they were. It was a very inauthentic way of being. And then when they went to these worlds, they were able to discover themselves and and their, their true selves. And mm. Jack, one of the twins, says that we didn't have to be something we weren't. We just got to be. Indeed. Very interesting. Yeah. Very, and, and right. Right. In any case, go on. You know, I, I'm going to say it anyway. No, no, it's fine. I can say it anyway. It's just very interesting how they discuss living authentically and not having to pretend and not having to be some pretend that you're something that you're not. I find it very interesting that that is one of the main themes touched on so early in the book as well, at, coupled with mm-hmm. the excellent representation. Yeah, it's definitely, it, it's sort of smacking you in the face Indeed. a little bit with this. Like, Indeed, right? Yeah. So it's, that, that can't go undiscussed. Yeah, I would, I would almost argue it's, and maybe we can talk more about this afterwards too, but like, it's sort of an inherent queerness, like mm-hmm. a, a sort of queer modality to like the way this story is and the themes of this story as opposed to a story with queer characters right right so true (laughs) well observed (laughs) well observed (laughs) so the next day nancy does her orientation with lundy who Mm -hmm. is kind of a cynic which makes a bit of sense given her backstory. Indeed. She basically tells Nancy that like the chances are she will remain in this world. That's what the the stats tell them. Most people stay. Most people don't ever find a door again. And, you know, some people have crossed back. 
Mm. But it's unlikely. And Nancy is upset to hear this, and she sort of goes off to find a secluded place to cry about it, basically. Mm -hmm. And she runs into Jill, and they bond a little bit over the fact that they both went to dark worlds. Mm -hmm. You know, Nancy went to this underworld, and Jill explains that she and her sister Jack were basically in a horror film, like this hammer horror world. It was called The Moors. Hmm. And, and we learn a bit more about this throughout the book, but basically, like, think of, you know, your stereotypical monster horror movie type setup. And sure. the two of them did different things. Jill became the adopted daughter of a vampire. Love it. While Jack worked with a mad scientist doctor doing, like, you know, Frankenstein-esque experiments oh, to it. raise the dead. Right, right. They basically went to Halloween Town. Basically, yeah. <laughs> more or less. Yeah. <laughs> okay, very um, cute. Very it's, nice. Yeah. And Nancy explains that she wears this pomegranate colored ribbon because it was the one piece of color that she earned when she was, ah. you know, she was so good at being a living statue that she earned some color and that's okay. why she carries it. If, you know, you haven't picked up on it, I think the importance of the color pomegranate is interesting given the mm-hmm. 80s connotations. Indeed. <laughs> and... Cade finds her and they bond a little bit more and he also explains some of Eleanor's backstory and basically that she was able to go back and forth and her door is still there. It's in her office. It's it's accessible. But basically what happened was that it was a high nonsense world and she eventually aged to the point that her adult brain couldn't handle it. It would have driven her mad. And she's basically waiting to be old enough that she starts to get senile and then she will be able to return because her mind will be able to handle the nonsense again. That is simultaneously so dark and so hopeful and yeah. so beautiful and so It's a lot. Real. Yeah. Again, yeah. there's a lot to unpack right there in yeah. that that single revelation. Yeah. So this this is a good book. <laughs> it's, this is yeah, a good book. It's a really interesting book. Okay. And he explains that he really treasures the memories of being in Fairyland and he feels like he learned a lot, but also he doesn't really want to go back because there, you know, was a kind of traumatic thing that happened to him there mm-hmm. and that they ended up not wanting him, which is kind of horrifying. Indeed. So Nancy falls into the routine and is attending classes and whatnot, getting used to being there. And one night she and Sumi have a discussion about sort of this revelation about Eleanor and Sumi's world is also high nonsense. And Sumi is kind of afraid of losing her chance to go back there. She says, you know, every day I wake up a little more linear, a little less lost. Mm -hmm. And they have a bit of an argument about it. And then the next morning, Nancy wakes up to the sound of screaming and goes out into the hallway to find Sumi's dead body. No. Yeah. Okay. And we are about halfway through the book and it just takes a little bit of a turn here. It really does take a bit of a turn. My goodness. Okay. So, huh. Well, there's, I, I don't even know how to react to that. There's really no way to react for that other than reading on, right? Yeah. So please, yeah. what, what next? <laughs> and now we're in kind of a murder mystery. Yeah. Because Sumi's body was like she was killed. She did not die of natural causes. And she's missing her hands. Missing her hands. Yes. Now, what could that be? What do we know? Nothing. I know nothing. I know nothing. Nope, nope, never mind. I have have a theory, but I'm going to keep it to myself for now. So people automatically suspect Jack because they know that she did 
right. Frankenstein-esque experiments. And also, apparently, she once killed somebody's guinea pig by accident. Ah, um, by she, accident. Well, she's, she's, she explains that she thought it was like a communal guinea pig. It was for anyone's use. She didn't realize it was a pet. <laughs> I see. For anyone's use. <laughs> yeah. I like her phrasing there. No kidding, she went to a horror world. And she explains to Nancy in private, Jack does, that as kids, she was the pretty one and Jill was the boyish one. Mm-hmm. And in the Moors, they got to sort of swap roles and realized that they actually liked that a lot better. And she also explains why they had to leave the Moors was because an angry mob came for them Hmm. and they had to escape basically back into their world to avoid being killed. I see. Angry mob a la Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And Nancy also relates to this idea of like being somebody different before and after going through this, obviously. Mm -hmm. And there's a line that I liked in here about how Nancy's parents love her, but that their love wanted to fix her and refused to see that she wasn't broken mm. which again again so right in the face smacking <laughs> yeah. you right in the face yeah so during the day some of the students mock jack because they think she's the murderer which none of them like they take it kind of seriously but also the way that they deal with thinking jack is the murderer especially because eleanor doesn't really agree with them like mm-hmm. there's no evidence really like they just kind of make fun of her mm-hmm. which i guess is uh, method. One of the girls who invo- is involved in this mocking is a girl named L'Oreal, which now that I'm saying it out loud sounds like the... It's exactly how I spelled it. L'Oreal is in the, the <laughs> hair brand. It's right. not spelled that way, but it's because she's worth it. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> sorry. The, the fun fact we get about L'Oreal is that she went to a spider world. Ooh, okay. Um, this, it, that sounds I horrifying. I think it's called the web world. It sounds absolutely horrifying, but it was her place. Sure. And not she, judging, just yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it magnified her eyes to this like absurd degree, okay. so that she can see really well, which is all right. And the the group therapy that they have turns into a discussion about whether or not they think they will get back. Again, Lundy doesn't have any hope about anyone returning, but Eleanor does, and mm-hmm. she kind of interrupts the group therapy to tell L'Oreal that like people do find their way back to the web world specifically, like they know that that's happened. And she explains that she thinks that the doors are drawn by need and by sympathy, like the resonance of one thing to another, and that it's about finding a place where you can be free and encourages all of the students to like embrace life as an outcast and to embrace each other as sort of fellow outcasts Mm -hmm. sort of encouraging them not to pick on jack and ostracize Mm. her there's a point where one boy brings up narnia tries to say something about like oh well you know this isn't how it worked in narnia Mm. and another boy is like that's because narnia was a christian allegory pretending to be a Uh, fantasy series i love it that's so good (laughs) yeah accurate yeah And Cade stays with Nancy overnight, just like not sleeping together, obviously. Mm -hmm. But she now doesn't have a roommate. So, you know, there's a murderer on the loose that she doesn't get gotten. And he explains that the school took care of him when he needed it. And his plan is to take care of the school, sort of continuing. Like he wants to take over for Eleanor one day. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And the next morning, they find another dead body. No. It's L'Oreal. Okay. Well, I mean, I wasn't particularly attached to her. Fair enough. Yeah. Curious, though. And what was this one missing? Her eyes. Her magnified eyes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. My theory has been strengthened, mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> and we learn through this very sad piece of narration that her door has been waiting for her in her bedroom at home this whole time. No. Which is like this 
very devastating oh. piece of information we get about a character that isn't really developed all that much. Yeah. And the, the Queen of Spiders was like waiting for her. Oh. Um, which, well, I mean, horrifying. Different but. strokes for different folks, am I yeah. right? So Eleanor gets Jack and Cade to dispose of L'Oreal's body because you can really only have so many dead kids at a school before the cops get suspicious. <laughs> right. Like, they were called for Sumi's death, but they basically agree to make it look like L'Oreal ran away mm. because these kids are all problem kids. Mm-hmm. They all... Could plausibly run away. Yeah, and that's what they tell the cops. Like, if anyone does find their door, mm. they basically just say, like, oh, they ran away. Right. Because it's happened before. Mm -hmm. And Jack and Cade are joined by Nancy and Christopher, who is another student who went to a death-related world, Mm -hmm. basically to sort of help with making sure that nothing disrespectful happens to the body, I guess. Christopher went to this world of dancing skeletons. Awesome. Which is cool. I think it's sort of a vaguely like Dios de los Muertos. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely butchered that Spanish pronunciation. (laughs) I'm very sorry. And they take L'Oreal's body and they dissolve it in acid because Jack has some of that. I was going to say, around. just casually. Yeah, yeah. She, she lives in the cellar of the school. Classic uh, Like mad in scientist. the dungeon. Yeah. yeah. Managed to pick a few yeah. things from the lab before she escaped, eh? Yeah. She examines the body to tell that L'Oreal was alive when her eyes were taken. Horrifying. Which, yes, is also horrifying. And they go to look for Jill because she's missing and they run into Lundy who not so secretly thinks that Nancy is the killer um, because she's the new student she has to do with death they're kind of like well there's kind of a sweet scene Mm -hmm. where Jack makes them hot chocolate and like flavors it specifically for each of them to like Mm -hmm. taste like something that would remind them of their world Mm -hmm. which is very cute that is really cute Um, I'm curious though mm -hmm. world of the pomegranate yeah Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what it is and they talk about how both of the girls who died had their most important part taken from them like Mm -hmm. the part that was changed from their travels like Sumi had these very talented hands and L'Oreal obviously had these eyes and they talk about this vague concept that maybe someone's trying to build like the perfect girl hmm dark yeah So Jill eventually shows up and she's fine. So Jack and Christopher go back down to check on the body, which is now dissolved to just the bones. Christopher has this flute that he uses to raise the bones, basically. Okay. Where do you get that? I think he brought it from his world. Yeah. Because it's made of bone as well. He has this interesting story about this, like, this skeleton princess that he was in love with back in his world. Adorable. It's Yeah, it's, it's very strange, you but know, quite cute. Again, different strokes <laughs> for different folks. Yeah, exactly. And Jack tries to ask L'Oreal's bones who killed her, and it just kind of points to the space beside Jack, which they're kind of like, well, that's not super helpful, but I guess it can't talk because it mm-hmm. has no... No voice box. Voice or box whatever, or... yeah. And Christopher basically gets the skeleton to like walk itself into the earth, so then there's no body. Oh, okay. Well So nice way to lay it to rest though. Yeah. So that's fine. Eleanor offers to let any of the students from Nonsense Worlds through her door. Right. Because it's still there. Just and give them a taste or... No, like to make them be safe. Like it wouldn't be oh. their worlds, but there is like a slight chance that you can world hop. Mm-hmm. And that at least like they would be out of range of whoever this murderer is. Mm-hmm. So that's an option. But not all the students will thrive in nonsense. Anyone who's from a logic world will just not be able to compute there, basically. Nancy in a world where she grew up 
to be a statue may not enjoy a nonsense world. Yes, exactly. So Cade and Christopher both stay with Nancy overnight. And again, nothing happens, though I think some of the other students are like, what are you doing with yeah. these, <laughs> these boys? Sure. Cade is awoken by a scream, and oh, he wakes the other two, who go to investigate out in the yard, and they find Lundy's body this time. Well, there goes my theory. <laughs> <laughs> and it is missing its brain. Hmm. Why brain? Because she was smart. She uh, had degrees. Okay. Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. That, sure. That's the theory. Psychologist. Yeah. yeah. And there's another student who's missing. I think maybe she gets a name, but I don't remember what it is. And the three of them, like Cade, Nancy, and Christopher, are suspected immediately by the rest of the students mm. because they keep finding bodies and also they potentially have the means to get rid of them. Eleanor tries to send everyone back to bed, and this kind of works. But as the three of them are heading back into the house, they run into Jack, who is covered in blood, okay. and she immediately faints. So Kate and Christopher carry her back into the house, but Nancy freezes. She like has a panic attack and she goes very still because that's her reflex yeah, is indeed. to go completely still. And she becomes so still that she is not noticed by Jill who walks by and Jill is also covered in blood and is licking blood from her lips. Vampire. Vampire. Indeed. Curious. <laughs> or at least raised by vampire. And when Jill is gone, she goes to the others to tell them what she saw. And Jack confirms that her sister stabbed her. And Jack also reveals the detail that she's sort of been keeping close to her chest up until this point, which is that the reason they had to flee the Moors, like the reason that there was an angry mob, is because Jill kept killing people and the townsfolk didn't like that. Mm -hmm. And they all are sort of like, okay, obviously Jill must be the one who's killing people. Right. So they rush up to the attic, which is, I guess, where she's been doing this. And in the attic, Jill has the missing student who is, again, I don't remember if the student has a name, but she's like the most beautiful student mm -hmm. and also jars with the missing pieces of the others. Mm -hmm. they, they're sort of like, oh God. <laughs> what did we just find? Yeah, yeah. What did we just walk in on? Oh no. <laughs> and Nancy begins talking about how the dead are angry with Jill and sort of spinning the story about to distract Jill. Mm. Meanwhile, Jack sneaks around, grabs grabs a pair of scissors and stabs her sister in the back. Mm -hmm. As Jill collapses and dies, Jack opens a door back to the moors and explains that she's always been able to do that, but that she was always welcome back, but mm -hmm. her sister was not. So now that her sister is dead, she can go back. Wow, okay. But she grabs Jill's body to carry her through and explains that she can just resurrect her once they're back, so it's oh, fine. Right. Okay, sure. And the the key point here is that the the rules within the Moors are that like once somebody has been resurrected, they cannot become a vampire. Mm. So she won't be wanted by her vampire father. Right. So she won't be a danger, theoretically. Hopefully, yeah. Won't, won't be so bloodthirsty, perhaps, literally. <laughs> yeah, the goal. And so everyone's just kind of like, oh, okay, Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> sure, bewildering. Yeah, but Jack takes Jill through the door and it closes behind her and they're gone. Okay, and, 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 and then? And then everyone's kind of left to pick up the pieces, kind of literally. Yeah. Because there are some The piece pieces of these perfect girl that yeah. they're trying to build. Yeah. The, the beautiful girl was not harmed, so like she lived, so that's good. Okay, well, that's nice. They bury Lundy and the pieces, and Eleanor has been quite shaken by all of this. Like, she has lost, you know, her friend Lundy. Mm -hmm. She has 
had several students die under her care. Mm. So Cade kind of ends up stepping up to help her out a lot more, mm-hmm. and things become peaceful, and several months pass mm-hmm. in this sort of peace and recovering from this event. And we jump ahead to the winter holidays, where Nancy is supposed to go home for the holidays because her parents wanted her to. Mm-hmm. She's not super thrilled about it, but it's just kind of like, well, I, I guess I have to. Right. And Cade returns her suitcase... Okay. So that she can... All her clothes. Yeah. Colorful pre- clothes. Pretend to wear the colorful clothes that her parents wanted. And in the suitcase, uh, which she hasn't opened in months, she finds a note from Sumi that she must have put in there at some point before they gave it to Cade. And it says, you're nobody's rainbow, you're nobody's princess, you're nobody's doorway but your own, and the only one who gets to tell you how your story ends is you. And Nancy reads it and then says out loud... Nobody gets to tell me how my story ends but me. And then suddenly there's a familiar doorway standing there. And so she steps through and she is in a grove of pomegranate trees. Mm -hmm. And then the story ends with the sentence, Nancy was finally home. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's very (laughs) nice. Wow. And that's that's the end. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow, how complete, how how lovely, how... How long was this book? It's like 130, wow. 140 pages. Yeah, super short. Yeah, it's technically a novella, I guess. Wow. Well, I mean, I think I've shown my hand. I loved it. <laughs> in retrospect, what did you think of it? I really like it. Uh, I think it's a very weird book in a lot of ways. Totally. Like it's super weird. You know, halfway through turns into a murder mystery, which mm-hmm. is a little bit odd. Especially because they're all they're they're already doing so much. Yeah, there's already so much happening yeah. that like you didn't need this extra element. But I I think that's sort of an expansion of this sort of idea of like trying to get back to their homes and the extent to which some people will try to get back to their homes mm-hmm. but no I, I really like it I, I think like I re- remember reading this book for the first time and just kind of being blown away by it mm-hmm. <laughs> because like full disclosure I was definitely always like I, I probably still am a little bit angry about like the Narnia series if you couldn't tell from our discussion mm-hmm. earlier mm-hmm. and and also stories like Peter Pan stories like you know Alice in Wonderland reading and like watching those stories as a kid I was mm-hmm. always kind of upset that they had to go back mm-hmm. Like, that's always such a quintessential part of the story, is Mm -hmm. that, like, okay, you found this world, and you love this world, and you fought to save this world, and now get out. Yeah. And that always struck me as very unfair. Mm -hmm. So reading this book and having it directly address that, and about how, like, these worlds were home, and then they were kind of shoved back out of their homes, I was like, yes, yes, I do want this. I do want this exploration. (laughs) Wow, Shauna McGuire. Mm Mm-hmm. Well done. Yeah. Honestly. Okay. And, and and no kidding about your disdain for the Narnia series. I do recall <laughs> ever since we were eight. Yeah. I do recall. Yeah. Like, I, I think there's redeeming elements to the series, obviously. But that, that whole aspect of, like, them always having to mm-hmm. go home at the end. Mm-hmm. Also, like, what was even happening in Prince Caspian? Like, uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> this is off topic. Indeed. We digress. But <laughs> this is not a Narnia podcast, although maybe it could be. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> but what do you think about, you know, you said you showed your hand, but did you want to add any Oh, totally. Like, no, I, thoughts I, about that? Well, I loved it. I, I loved the exploration elements. I, uh, by exploration elements, I mean the fact that it explored the limits. Mm-hmm. of uh, what a 
novel or novella about going to a fantasy world can be because mm -hmm. it went to so many of them as well introduced the 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 concept though it didn't dwell on it the concept of of realm hopping or mm -hmm. world hopping right the idea that these worlds may or may not be potentially connected i loved that aspect <laughs> from the lore nerd in me i mm -hmm. loved it but then more than that the the allegory about being able to be oneself mm -hmm. and not having to pretend and mm -hmm. going home. Yeah, I would definitely... Really powerful. Yeah, I definitely... There is definitely something very appealing to me about the idea of finding a place that is like perfectly well suited to you mm -hmm. whatever that means and like maybe in ways that you didn't realize mm -hmm. at first mm -hmm. like most of them came in a completely different way and then like developed and like discovered themselves through this Indeed, and I think that part of the reason why I really enjoyed the exploration of mm -hmm. each student having their own individual world is exactly that. Those worlds are reflective of the students and their, their character, mm -hmm. and you get to learn about those students when you learn about the world that they went to. Like when I asked you where Jack and Jill went, and you're like, oh, you'll find out. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you didn't tell me right off the get, because that would have revealed a lot about their character, mm -hmm. right? So... I don't know. I, I, I think that was really elegant, the way that the way that the author did that. As well, the fact that it was a, a closed loop. After Jack and Jill disappeared through their door, I was sitting there thinking like, oh, but what about the, the, the pomegranates and, and the different <laughs> worlds? And, and what about Eleanor? And I was so concerned that the author wasn't going to close the loop, that it was just going mm -hmm. to kind of end there. And I'm glad that she did. It's nice to see, like, like I said, there's other books in this series, other novellas, and they're all, they're all really interesting, I think. Lots of them are kind of different and like lots of them are prequels actually mm -hmm. and explore really yeah interesting yeah Curious. like there is there's a prequel about jack and jill's time in the moors very cool yeah are there prequels about eleanor not yet uh not yet not <laughs> there's yet. a but there's a prequel about lindy where we learn more about the goblin market okay that, full disclosure that was my theory that someone lundy was stealing pieces uh, the most valuable piece yeah. to trade on the goblin market and that's why because you said that people have gone to the goblin market before and you weren't exactly forthcoming with your details of the <laughs> goblin market so i thought there is a little something there later on i was obviously wrong but uh, i'm curious to learn more about it yeah. in any case there's also sequels but i like that like it's nancy's story and her mm -hmm. story is completed at the end of this mm -hmm. and so there's obviously other stories happening within it and like some of those continue and like the overall story of like this concept continues mm -hmm. but it's a very nice one-off <laughs> certainly that's exactly it that's exactly it it's a one-off and very interested to see some of the other novellas and where they will take us and the i don't know in particular Cade, is there a, a novella there or another a prequel a sequel he doesn't have a novella yet like shauna mcguire has talked about how she wants to that's like one of the ones in the plans right. but she's talked about like the difficulty she would have mm -hmm. in writing it just from the idea that like he didn't realize he was trans until going to the fairyland mm -hmm. and so the issue of like what pronouns to use mm -hmm. and what names to use would mm -hmm. be difficult and she said like she wants to get to a point where like there's more trans representation out there so it won't be quite as big of an quite as groundbreaking yeah exactly because like i know that's sort of one of the pieces of general advice to like cis mm -hmm. people writing trans characters mm -hmm. is like don't misgender them yeah, which you think would go without saying but <laughs> indeed indeed it doesn't <laughs> uh, i wish we were doing a live stream because i wish they could have seen your face there 
But like I said, some of the books are sequels and they continue his story mm-hmm. in sort of becoming more of a leader. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, it's definitely pretty central. Well, that's good. I can really appreciate the sensitivity with which mm-hmm. the author is approaching yeah. that uh, particular prequel. But yeah, no, that said, very, very curious to see where the series goes and mm-hmm. where it's been, to be honest, because mm-hmm. I don't know, right? <laughs> <laughs> have you read any of the other prequels? I have. I've oh, read okay. all of them. You've read all of them, of yes. course. Was it after <laughs> this one you fell in love with the series and went back and read them all? Well, this is the first one. This is the first one published. Right. Yeah. And it maybe I should have mentioned this. It won the Hugo Award for oh, yeah, Best really? Novel of the Year. It came well, out, which not was surprised. Yeah. a few years ago, many years ago. Interesting, interesting. Anyway. Is Shana McGuire Canadian? No. Okay. She's not. Yeah, fair enough. Mm. <laughs> that was my, my thought was, oh, maybe we can get her on the show. But, you know, it's <laughs> wishful <she's>... thinking. <laughs> I think she's a bit busy. Fair that. enough. I'm curious about what you think of, like, these sort of overall themes in terms of, like, in terms of, like, how it does handle some of those questions about, like, what happens when you find home and then can't mm-hmm. return to it? Mm-hmm. Like, what are your thoughts about Jill as a character of her mm-hmm. going to these extreme lengths to mm-hmm. go home and become a vampire? In response, first of all, to your mention of Jill, the fact that she eventually does get to go home, but doesn't get to be for all eternity who she wants to be. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get to be the vampire. I think that's there's something there to unpack, mm-hmm. uh, something there at least to acknowledge. But beyond that, the concept of, of home and the other themes explored in the book, the, the concepts of being who you want to be, unfettered, mm-hmm. uh, unrestricted by what the world expects of you, being able to be your yourself completely in a world that is entirely suited for you. And I just think it's, it's very interesting how strongly the characters, and, and of course they do, what people are willing to do, what they're willing to go through to achieve that freedom, to be in a place where, as the book said, they can be entirely themselves, where they don't have to pretend. Um, mm-hmm. No, I think that's that, that's really, to me, what it's about, the, the freedom to be yourself mm-hmm. completely, unabashedly, without fear of expectation, mm-hmm. right? If Nancy wants to be a statue, I mean, different strokes <laughs> for different folks, right? Yeah. She can she can do that. Um, and sometimes dance with Hades. Exactly right. And let him stroke her hair. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The dream. <laughs> That's right. Well, for some, right? Uh, the, being able... <laughs> Having the the freedom to do that without restriction, without judgment, without shame. That's what it's about, for me at least. Yeah, and I I, I agree. And I think there's a piece there too about belonging. Like finding Mm -hmm. a place where, not that everyone in each of these worlds is always, you know, kind and welcoming to the kids who come in, but that there is, there's a sense of belonging to the world that they go to. Mm -hmm. And like some of them become resistance fighters and they overthrow kings and queens and evil, evil regimes. Regimes that mm-hmm. rhymed and wasn't supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, okay. Finding finding a story and finding a a world that is exactly what you need. I, I think that's something that we all kind of crave is some sense of belonging, whether that's to a group, whether that's to a family, mm-hmm. whether that's to you know a, a broader mm-hmm. sense of like country or cause mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like I think we all want that to mm-hmm. some extent, including the misfits, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When when they find their sense of belonging, yeah. can't imagine how difficult, how terrible, how heartbreaking it must be to be mm-hmm. torn away from it. And yeah, understandable that they're willing to do anything to get back to it. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's very human. It is. It is. And I mean, Nancy gets 
her happy ending, she gets to go back to the halls of the dead. But but we're left with Sumi, who was killed, mm-hmm. and Cade, who is definitely never going to be able to go back, mm-hmm. and the uncertainty of people like Christopher, who's sort of left in this place of uncertainty where he wants to go back to his skeleton princess, but who knows if that will happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why I'm so interested <laughs> in the prequels slash sequels, right? For sure, for sure. But even just like, you know, regardless of what happens in the prequels and sequels, like mm-hmm. Cade has chosen to stay and to foster this school. Mm-hmm. I guess I wonder like how we square that or how we make peace with that. Maybe that's a broader question of how we make peace with not belonging mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. having belonging stripped from Well, I think it was clear, at least, that by the end of the novella, Cade's place in the school slash group Mm -hmm. home became a little more secure. He became a little more relied upon and in that way developed a sort of new belonging, a new Mm -hmm. sense of belonging in in a place where perhaps he didn't expect, perhaps he didn't even want, Mm -hmm. but... I mean, in reality, humans do have a funny way of doing that occasionally, you know, every now and again. If we fill the cup where we are placed often. And maybe that's something to be said for, like, we make our own belonging sometimes. Well, there you have it, right? Oh, so profound. <laughs> so profound. So quick-witted. <laughs> Alas, I admit there it. There it is. <laughs> is there anything else we wanted? Well, I just, discuss? I guess in, in, in closing on my end, we like it. We, we mm. definitely both are fans of it. Are you satisfied? Are you satisfied with... with it as an ending mm-hmm. with the novella as a unit uh, was it satisfying for you to read did mm-hmm. it satiate you or did it leave you wanting more immediately I would say kind of a mix of both mm-hmm. like definitely the novella I, it feels very complete to me I don't know that it's necessarily like a great murder mystery like mm-hmm. I don't know that there's a lot of twists and turns right. to it like it's Jill being the killer isn't exactly a huge revelation mm-hmm. um, but that's okay because I don't really need it to deliver as a murder mystery mm-hmm. because it delivers in so many other ways that I was really happy with. Mm-hmm. Like yes I do want more. I want to know more about these worlds. I want to know more about these characters. I want to see what happens next to them mm-hmm. but everyone does get a conclusion here. Right. And so that leaves me feeling satisfied. Right. right. Okay. Okay. Very good. Very good. No I just I like to ask that question in closing just to give the listeners a sense yeah. of what they're about to sink their teeth in should they choose to mm-hmm. read it. Oh for sure. And I as always recommend reading it and, indeed as... and, and the sequels like from here you can dive into most of them I think it's kind of like the to lean again on the Narnia which mm. I said I was not going to do <laughs> kind of like the the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe to the rest of the series yeah yeah where in there is both a prequel and sequels mm-hmm. yeah is there only the one before Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe yes and then the horse and his boy is kind of a midquel right because it yeah. takes place while the Pevensies are kings and queens of Narnia right Which raises so many questions. (laughs) Um, Actually, that was my favorite book as a kid. um, I remember. Yeah, because I was super interested in seeing them as adults and Mm -hmm. as kings and queens. And I liked the exploration of, like, lands other than Narnia. Of course, the portrayals are horribly racist. Indeed. Yeah, that is something that I do very clearly recall from... Yeah, they're not good. They're really not good. Ah, yes, Narnia. Ah, Narnia. C.S. Lewis. (laughs) Anyway. What we're taught in schools, kids. 
kid. <laughs> what, yes. what we read in grade four. Four? Five. I think it was five. Because it, it was five. at risk of outing our age. I remember <laughs> it was the same year that the movie came out. Yes, for indeed. For the Lion Witch, the Wardrobe, because we went to see it. That's right. Those were the days. Again, when I fell in love with my very first crush, Tilda mm-hmm. Swinton. It was a good choice. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Still to this very day. I mean, me too. So. Right, there you have it. Powerful women, mm-hmm. am I right? Yes. In any case, this is not a Narnia podcast, <laughs> but, but it, but it could, could be, be. <laughs> all in good time. Who knows? That would be a fun option. Anyway, that does kind of conclude our discussion of every heart a doorway. <laughs> our discussion concluded five minutes ago, yes, but that's fine. True. Consider it's this true. bonus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, go, go up on our Patreon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you want to introduce the next book? Yeah. So next time we are going to kind of stick to the fantasy genre for a little bit. Um, we're going to be reading We Set the Dark on Fire by Taylor K. Mejia. Which I always want to call We Didn't Start the Fire because there's just some part of my brain. You're so old. I know. <laughs> there's enough similar words and letters in there that my brain decides that I'm talking about the Billy Joel song. That's right. It's kind of a short book and I think it makes the most sense maybe with its sequel. So we might also touch on that, which is called We Unleash the Merciless Storm. Ooh. That'll be kind of interesting. Double trouble. Double feature. Yeah. Very good. Can't wait. And I suppose if you've enjoyed listening, and presumably you have, since you made it all the way to the end, despite all of our ramblings about several books that were not this book. Um, but like mostly Narnia. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. In any case, please leave a rating, thumbs up, like, or subscribe, depending on your respective podcast streaming platform. You can find all our episodes on Buzzsprout as the Brodacious Book Club, and you can also reach us at brodaciousbookclub at gmail.com. In addition, we have a Facebook account, you can look us up, and a Twitter account by the same name i believe or is it both of them are like at book brodacious and you book should brodacious. Be able to find us feel free to send us questions comments recommendations that's, uh, right. that's always good and if you are shauna mcguire and you would like to be on our show <laughs> then we'd love to have you <laughs> on the off chance i'm speaking it into existence <laughs> yes. that's what that is in any case, also, whatever small platform that we have, we just want to use to remind you all that the Black Lives Matter protests are still going strong. Still give your support to those where you can. Advocate locally for such initiatives and get involved. That's always good. And um, I've been Aaron Rockford. You can reach me on Twitter at Pineapple Fury. And I'm Matt Thomas. You can reach me on Twitter at msthomas95. Thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. And remember, cheers to Kings, queens, and evil regimes. (laughs) 